Pastor Xavier Reese and God's incredible grace. Man is like a little ant on the mountain hill, shaking his fist at God, as if the ant would do that to a man and all the man has to do just stomp his foot. Isn't it kind of foolish for that little ant to raise his fist to a man? The lessons from the lesser to the greater. Here's man shaking his fist at God. But yet God is merciful. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, most parents are up in arms over rebellious children, and those who don't prevail watch in sorrow and sometimes horror as their offspring suffer the sometimes serious consequences. Well, today, Pastor Xavier goes back to his study in the book of Ezekiel and draws a parallel between the children of today with God's unfaithful sons and daughters. Now, let's listen. Ezekiel chapter 20, we're going to be looking at verse 45 to all of chapter 21 because it's an entire section. The message is entitled, God is a man of his word. In the previous chapter, God refused to be inquired of the elders. And he told Ezekiel to judge the people, the elders, by rehearsing the history of their father's rebellion. In chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. Ezekiel rehearsed their, their history from chapter, uh, verse 5 to 31 of chapter 20. Long history of rebellion up to the present day. And then Ezekiel then said God would ultimately restore them in the future in the kingdom. But that would not take away from the judgment to come. Notice the particulars of the prophecy are stated, verse 46 to 48. Ezekiel was to set his face in the direction of the south towards Jerusalem. And to preach or literally to drop the word against it. Prophesy against the forest land, the, land, the south, just as he had done to the mountains of Israel in chapter 6. Verse 47 to 48, Ezekiel was to declare a complete and total destruction by the hand of God. Again, symbolic of the fire here. It's a parable that he's speaking, and he's going to tell us that at the end. That's what the people are going to complain about. Now, the righteous and the wicked are included. I say to the forests of the south, verse 47, Hear the word of the Lord Yahweh. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree, every dry tree, the righteous and the wicked, as we're going to see. The blazing flame shall not be quenched. All faces from the south to the north shall be scorched in it. So it's complete. None will escape. The prophet Ezekiel quotes the words of the people, complaining they could not understand him. They say to me, does he not speak parables? And so, in verse 1 through 7 of chapter 22, the judgment is interpreted by God to be that of Jerusalem. He was to set his face against Jerusalem, very specifically indicative of the south, from Babylon. He's in Babylon. He's looking south. The northern kingdom had already gone into captivity in 722. So he's talking about Judah, the southern kingdom. Assyria had taken her captive in the north already. Now notice the devastation of the judgment would be at the very hand of God. This is confirmed, verse 3 through 5. Mark it well. God was going to fight against them. Wow, verse 3. Straightforward. You don't understand me? Listen, I'm going to fight against you. Whoa. He would be the executioner. Listen. In verse 3 there. And I will draw my sword out of the sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. There's no contradiction. 
the wicked that had not repented would be judged, and the righteous who had returned to evil would also be judged. Chapter 18 interpreted that for us. The righteous and the wicked. Are there no innocent people killed during this time? Of course. Just as the rain falls on the just, the unjust. Is God unrighteous? Nope. He knows who. He takes care of it. Notice verse 5. The purpose of the judgment is stated. To allow all to know it was judgment from heaven. That all flesh may know that I, the Lord Yahweh, have drawn my sword out of its sheath. No coincidence. No natural disaster. The phrase that they may know that I am Yahweh appears 70 times in the book. God does what he does so that you may know he's on the throne. And so the prophetic prediction and interpretation of the judgment was from God. You see, we're not left to our own interpretation. God interpreted his own parable. Now, the second movement comes in verse 8 to 17, the prophetic description of the sword judgment. This word gets real descriptive. The message again is divine from heaven. And again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, verse 8, the Son of Man was to communicate as Yahweh's mouthpiece the seriousness of the prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, says the sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished. Sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter. Polished to flash like lightning. Fearful to see a sword coming towards you. He describes it very vividly. The somberness of the event is by the Ludicrous rhetorical question in verse 10 there. Should we then make mirth? Meaning, should we rejoice? No. You should fear. You should make preparations of your heart. The sword is sharpened and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer, which we're going to see is who? Nebuchadnezzar. God's bringing the judgment but it's through the instrument of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 12, the prophet was to act out the grief of the message again. He was to cry and wail as a son of man. Again, it's humanity. He was to understand that all-inclusiveness of the judgment. Listen, for it will be against my people, against all the princes of Israel. Terrors, including the sword, will be against my people, from the throne to the most common person. It was to portray himself in despair, in the inability to do anything over the judgment. Therefore, strike your thigh. The prophet was to be vividly communicating through his actions the severity of the judgment. Look at verse 13. God said, because it is a testing, they will be found wanting, in other words. They will not pass the test. God said, the ruler would not stand, putting an end to the monarch but not the promise of Messiah, as we'll see. And what if the sword despises even the scepter? You see? That the king. The scepter shall be no more, says the Lord God. So I'm, I'm putting an end to the Davidic monarch. There's going to be no more kings until Messiah came. Notice 14. The prophet was to call attention by clapping his hands together as he prophesied. His orders? You therefore, son of man, prophesy his sign sermon, and strike your hands together. 
His message, the third time, let the sword be double damaged. It is the sword that slays, the sword that slays the great man that enters their private chambers. No one escapes, not even the wealthiest, not even the king. In fact, the king was the most cowardly, as we're going to see. <laughs> Look at verse 15 and 17. In 15, Yahweh would be directing the battle, causing the gate to be broken down. I have set the point of the sword against their gates, the place of judgment, the place of authority, the place of business. Wow. Yahweh will be executing vengeance as predicted on his rebellious and unbelieving people, that the heart may melt and many may stumble. Yahweh's sword would be effective and fulfilled. Oh, it is made bright. It is grasped for slaughter. And in 16, Yahweh would give the command for battle. Swords at the ready. Thrust right. Set your blade. Thrust left. Whatever your edge is, ordered. Wow. He's the captain of the armies of heaven and earth. The Lord of hosts. In 17, the vengeance of Yahweh's indignation would be satisfied. I also will beat my fists together and I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have spoken. The sinful lifestyles that people live have a built-in judgment with time, as you know. A person that drinks rarely drinks one drink. Sin is never static. It grows an appetite. Each of these will take a toll on our physical bodies, as you know, to our liver, to our kidneys, our heart, hardening of the arteries, brain shrinking. There's many other things. Family and marital problems due to these things bring much destruction in communication and marital relationships and bringing up our children, our health, finances. Uh, ultimately, it costs us our family. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. He who sows the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. That is an absolute axiom for non-believers and believers on the natural plane. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So if you're sowing um, tomatoes, don't expect apples. You, you sow and reap in kind. Paul gives to the Romans a threefold uh, giving up of a person who rejects the word of God in Romans chapter 1. God gives them up to unclean thoughts, to vile affections, and reprobate or debase minds. There's also the final judgment for all men and for women who have rejected God's provisions of salvation, refusing to repent. Um, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, Romans 2, 4 says. The goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The gospel message is the only one God honors for salvation. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, that's the key to the whole book. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4. The one who rejects it all his or her life and dies in his or her sin will be in effect judged for all 
the sins they've ever committed. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Either my sins will be judged on the person of Jesus Christ because I have repented, or I will have to give an account for them myself, one or the other. There is no third possibility. The prophetic description of the sword judgment was at the hand of God. At the hand of God. He wanted them to know that. Emphatically. Now notice the prophetic military expedition to fulfill the judgment. is the third movement in verse 18 to 32. Notice the king of Babylon, as you know, was Nebuchadnezzar, who would choose between two roads. The whole military strategy is given to us here. And this is exactly how it happened also. Noted in history. The revelation once again is divine. The word of the Lord came to me again saying in verse 18. The prophet notice in 19 and 20 was to execute another sign sermon. Depicting the manner in which Nebuchadnezzar's military route would be decided. He was to draw out a Y. Two roads dividing with signs. As the picture perhaps of Riblah at his headquarters in Lebanon, or perhaps Damascus Sears, we're not sure. But notice, listen, he says, And son of man, appoint for yourself two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to go. Both of them shall go from the same land. In other words, he'll begin in Babylon, and he'll head out, and he'll come to a fork in the road, and make a sign, put it in the head of the road to the city, verse 19 says. As he had made that, that, that destruction of Jerusalem on, 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 a, on a clay tablet, now he's doing this, whether it's the ground or a clay tablet, we're not told, but he's drawing it out, perhaps on the ground there for the people to see. And in verse 20, he was to make one to Amman and the other to Jerusalem. Appoint a row for the sword to go to Rabbah, which was the capital of the Ammonites, and to Judah, and to the fortified Jerusalem, which is the capital of the southern kingdom, Judah. Now, verse 21 through 24, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, would use divination to make his choice between the two roads. God tells us beforehand. God is the one in control of the route. But he knows what methods Nebuchadnezzar is going to use, but God's on the throne, and he's the one that's directing the affairs of the earth. Remember Daniel? He told Nebuchadnezzar, there's a God in heaven who does as he wills and no one can say, what are you doing? Nebuchadnezzar is a non-believer right here. By the time Daniel got through with him and God got through with him, after seven seasons of being a beast, he repented and gave glory to God. Remember? But at this time, he's a non-believer. Look at 21. He would resort to his custom of the occult practices as the method to determine divine guidance. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the Y there, at the fork of the two roads, to use divination. He shakes the arrows, he consults the image, and he looks at the liver. What the heck's he talking about? <laughs> okay? Writing one name on each arrow, he would put them in a quiver, shake them around. This is called Bolamanasi. This is a cultic. And then he would slaughter an animal 
and examine the liver after they slaughter them and take the liver out and look at it for the direction of lines that would appear on the liver to make a decision. This is called hepatoscopy. These are all words of the occult on how they sought through demons and familiar spirits. This stuff still goes on today. In fact, the New Age movement is part of this through crystals, through channelers. <laughs> he would choose a road to Jerusalem. In his right hand is the divination for Jerusalem, to set up battering rams, to call for the slaughter, to lift the voice of the shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to heap up the siege mound, and to build a wall. This is exactly what he did. He will cause the people in Jerusalem who had sworn allegiance, they would be offended by the aid of the occult that he took. Yet, the temple was full of idols. What a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> and it will be to them like a false divination, the people in, in Jerusalem, in the eyes of those who had sworn oath with him, Nebuchadnezzar. But he will bring their iniquity to remembrance that they may be taken. They had broken league with him. Zedekiah had broken his word. Verse 24, he will be executing the judgment of Yahweh as his instrument of judgment. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are uncovered, so that in all your doings your sins appear because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. Wow. God knows the end from the beginning. There's no problem. Notice verse 25 through 27 now. The individual to be judged by the king of Babylon was the king of Judah from Jerusalem. Verse 25, Zedekiah had rebelled against God. Now you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. He was trusting in Egypt to deliver him from Babylon. He had broken his word with Nebuchadnezzar. 2 Kings 24, 20 gives you that record. He broke covenant. The heathen was more of a man of his word than the king of the Jews. <laughs> Zedekiah would be humbled for his pride, dethroned, as well as the priesthood, indicative of the two words for crown. Thus saith the Lord, remove the turban and take off the crown. Zedekiah, as you know, attempted to escape by the way of the king's garden with his sons and an army escort when the city wall was broken into but he was taken prisoner by Jericho as, and his army was scattered. His sons were killed before his eyes at Riblah and then his eyes were put out. The last thing he saw was his sons being killed. And then he was taken to Babylon, fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel in chapter 12, verse 1 through 16, as he dug through the hole in the wall with a knapsack on his back and covering his eyes, that Zedekiah would be taken captive, go to Babylon, but not see it. How in the world can that be? Because his eyes were plucked out. You see, God would exact final judgment. Look at the end of 26 and 27. God will settle all accounts. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. God would put an end to David's line until the Messiah would come. Overthrow, overthrow. I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is and I will give it to him. The prophecy of Jacob, Shiloh will come in Genesis 49.10. This is the prophecy. 
This is the last king on the throne of David, Zedekiah, the son of Josiah. You had Jehoiahaz, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. Jehoiakim was the son of Jehoiachin. <laughs> he only reigned for three months. And so here again, the next time would be when Jesus came as the Messiah and he would pick up the throne of David. Now, 28 through 32, the inadvertent judgment of the Ammonites would come at a later time. And so the Ammonites went, yeah, yeah, yeah. God says, I'll get to you. The same divine authority that judged Jerusalem was addressing them. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord God concerning the Ammonites and concerning their reproach. The reproach they scorned, they taunted Jerusalem, having been destroyed. They gloated over it. The same sword was being prepared for them. And say, the sword, a sword is drawn, polished for slaughter, for consuming, for flashing. And in 29, Ezekiel was to rebuke them for trusting in their false diviners also, being directed by soothsayers, being encouraged to attack the so-called wicked, to bring you on the neck of the wicked, the slain whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. God told him to stop, for he had not forgotten. He would come to judge them in their land. He were to stop going out and thinking they were doing good by killing the wicked. They were wicked themselves. Return it to its sheath, their sword. I will judge you in the place where you were created, in the land of your nativity. And then in 31, God told him he would judge them. I will pour out my indignation on you. I will blow against you with the fire of my wrath and deliver you into the hand of the brutal man whose skillfulness to destroy. Do you see the connection from the beginning of verse 45? The fire speaks of God's judgment, indignation, and to the end of this chapter, it's a whole complete unit. The symbol is consistent all the way through. God told them they would be utterly destroyed and not remembered. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall not be remembered, for I am the Lord have spoken it. Have you ever heard of an Ammonite? Now, Amman is the capital city of modern-day Jordan, but there's no Ammonites around. They're Jordanians. There's no Ammonites. Around the year 539 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed them. The prophetic military expedition to fulfill the judgment was planned by God. <laughs> Amazing. Ezekiel has been giving us the prophecies on the final judgment of Judah that would end the Davidic line until the Messiah would come through this threefold movement prophetic prediction and interpretation of the judgment. It was from God. The prophetic description of the sword judgment was at the hand of God. And the prophetic expedition to fulfill the judgment was planned by God. You understand who's in control here? <laughs> you understand who's on the throne? Man is like a little ant on the mountain hill shaking his fist at God as if the ant would do that to a man and all the man has to do is just stomp his foot. Isn't it kind of foolish for that little ant to raise his fist to a man? The lessons from the lesser to the greater. Here's man shaking his fist at God. 
But yet God is merciful. He's long-suffering. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Pastor Xavier Reese with a picture of grace in the midst of judgment. Now, today's study, God is a Man of His Word, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is God is a Man of His Word, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Why is the city of Jerusalem so important? A look at the prophecy regarding the city of David. That's next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 